Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. I will say just one thing about our guest speakers. Uh, I was talking with a family after that Sunday, two weeks ago, I think it was, when we announced the guest speakers, and, and they were like, uh, Jedediah Thurner, we heard about him, and um, how, like they were kind of shocked. And uh, I was like, he's like, yeah, they're going to Peru in a couple of weeks, which I think is either this week or next week, to do their One Nation, One Day project. And he said, I'm from Peru, and I wanted to send my son. And I was like, trying to make sense. I was like, did you, so you saw this, and you like Googled it, and then you found, he's like, no. This is a big ministry that we've known about for a long time. And I told him, I said, I, when I announced it to the church, I'm not quite sure we all understand, like, the value that these speakers will bring to us as, as believers. And, and he said, yeah. His question was, how did you get him to come to Salt and Light Conference? And I said, brother, it's just the Lord. I'm trying to share that with the church, but I'm not sure if we all understand fully what God wants to do in us. Um, these speakers are coming. Mark Varghese, he actually, the, the Sunday I announced our speakers, I didn't know this, but he, he was the guest speaker at Hillsong Church. And so I'm not chasing after these people we had them booked already, and then these doors are opening up for them. But I want you to know that I believe God is strategically preparing us as a church. I don't chase after popular people. I really could care less. What I care about is who God has for us. And these are the two people that I felt God put on our heart to invite. They somehow said yes even though their ministry is usually to thousands upon thousands at any given time, um, God worked it out that they would come. And so I really want to emphasize, don't, don't delay, don't wait, sign up for the conference. And I don't know fully myself what God wants to do in us as a church, but I am excited, I will say that. And so I just wanted to let you know at the end, Leanna will be there. You know, if there's a long lineup, just go register at home uh, or on your mobile device. It should work. But this morning, I want to share, with God's help, a message entitled, Two Keys to Overcoming. Two Keys to Overcoming. And, you know, just keep that in mind, but I want to share with you this illustration for a second that I don't know if you know this, but there are two types of drivers on the road. I don't want to just, you know, reduce it to good and bad. We all know that. I believe that there are decisive drivers. You know where you're going. You know, you know, you're changing. And then there are the indecisive ones. I don't know which kind you are. I didn't say raise your hand. But some, I see some people nodding. Don't look at your spouse or your neighbor or your friend. Don't, don't agree and grunt and smile and point. But it's just a reality. That some people are indecisive drivers, others are decisive. Um, you know, and then there are people who kind of waver, and you don't know what's going on. You're like, are they making up their mind? It looks like, no, and, and they keep you guessing just as long. 
Um, the word waver actually means to be undecided between two opinions or courses of action. Right? You waver. You're like a teeter-totter. This way, that way. And, you know, just as uh, back to the road, there are lane veerers, people who lane veer. My brother-in-law, Pastor Mike, he was one of them. And then there are people who swerve. And I just want to share this for a second. I'll never forget, we were going to our youth convention. We had the guest speaker in the van. And the whole time, every time you would look over in conversation, the van would start veering into the other lane. And the guest speaker, his name was James Ayton, and myself, I was in the next row. I, I always get so nervous. And we're like, Pastor Mike, Pastor Mike. And he's like, what, what? Oh, oh. I, but just like as if it was nothing. And we're all like holding on for our lives thinking we're going to die. And we have like a whole bunch of youth that we're supposed to be going to minister to. But um, he's a lane veer. So every time we drive, I'm like lane veering, lane veering. It's like I'm his, uh, his, his guide. I said, thank God technology now keeps us in the lane. My car doesn't do it, but I said, I'm going to save money. I'm going to get you that technology in your car so that you could look and you'll stay straight and you won't veer. But there are lane veers, and the thing about lane veering, it's a result usually of distraction and sometimes fatigue, right? And usually it's unintentional. People who swerve, you know, and this is, when I think of swerving, it's like this, right? I'll never forget, when I was young, we took my grandfather's car. We went to pick up a drum set from my sister's boyfriend, I didn't know this, but he was apparently only lending it to me. I beat that thing so bad that I bought a new drum set and I sold the old one. He goes, what, what do you mean? I wanted those back. I was like, I thought you gave them to me. Anyways, we had that in my grandfather's trunk. And I'll never forget, there was a cat on the road. We were on our own street. Our house was just up ahead. And my sister literally took a 90-degree turn like this and then another 90 back and, and the whole drum set, like it just crashed on one side and then crashed back. And I was like, Sabrina, what in the world? The drums. She's like, there was a cat in the road. But you know, uh, some cat lovers in the house, I could tell. But the swerving is very different than lane veering. Follow me just for a second. Swerving is a result of laser focus. You follow? Right? The cat's in the road. Laser focus on what's in front. Not, not distracted, right? And it's usually intentional. I don't want to hit the cat, so we swerve nice and big around it. And it isn't meant to take you off course, but actually to keep you on course. I say all that to get to this. In our Christian walk, it's okay to swerve. What's not okay is lane veering. Lane veering is I'm distracted, I'm tired, and it's unintentional, but it takes you off the course. You're not laser focused on what's in front of you. And for many of us, that's the tactic the devil uses. Just a little distraction, and you're off course. You're off kilter. And here's the thing. It might not feel like a big deal in the beginning, and I'll tell you why. One degree doesn't feel like a lot, right? But I, I've used this maybe once before. An airplane or a ship at sea. Set it one degree off. 
over a, a period of time, and it's a very different destination. So we need to make sure that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. God, give me laser vision, laser focus, so that I might see the prize, and I'm going to run in such a way that I will win the prize. So two keys to overcoming. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. And with God, just before we jump into Scripture, how many of you, this is like if you're a techie with device and computer and all that, IFTT, if this, then that. Have you ever used that service or heard that? If this, then that. It's a series of, of things that happen and they change. So for example, I don't use it anymore because like our phones are a lot smarter today than maybe five years ago. But it was like, if I get an email, send me a text message to let me know I got an email. So if this happens, then that happens. And a lot of times... We are like that as Christians, even though we shouldn't be. If this happens, I feel like this, and then I go into depression, and I eat like this, and everything just spirals out of control. If this, then that. If this, then that. And I will give you one recipe, because that's what they used to call them. If this, then that recipes. And it's this. If anything happens, you know what the then that is? you run to Jesus. If anything happens, that recipe always ends in the same way. If, if anything happens, doesn't matter what avenue and which way, it should always lead you to Jesus or back to Jesus. Again, it might be a swerve, but we're staying on the course. We have laser focus. So two keys to overcoming. If you have your Bible, would you stand with me and turn to Revelation chapter 12? Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read two passages of Scripture. You might also want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're just going to read both of them in succession this morning. So Revelation 12 verse 11. And Hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 19. Revelation 12 11 says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I'm going to read it again. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And now Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus by his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water." Let us hold tightly without wavering, without swerving, if you will. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His, say it, promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, 
But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, there are some of us that need to be reminded that we are overcomers. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. God, we're on the winning side because of Jesus. And we thank you for the victory today. So we're not fighting for victory. As we heard last week, we're fighting from a place of victory. And I pray that you would give us each this revelation that we need to know. Thank you for your word. I ask now that you anoint me, your servant, as I speak your word. Lord, let it be the words you want me to say, that, Lord, they would touch your people once again. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, yesterday and all week long um, was... Asking God like I do every week, Lord, what's the word you want me to speak that your church needs to hear as we gather on Sundays? I want you to know I don't take it lightly. It's not like, let me just Google top 10 sermons and I'll pick always number one, right? That's, that's not how we do it. It's you have to seek the Lord. You say, you know, Lord, if I'm your mouthpiece, then I need to hear what you want me to say. And so all week long, though, I was struggling and you know, we were preparing for the funeral yesterday uh, for, for this precious little baby who should have been born last week, but instead was born without a heartbeat. And, uh, and last week we prayed for Ron and Kimberly that, that uh, were here. And, and this is what we did yesterday. It was one of the hardest things that I had to lead uh, through that ceremony. And yes, we, we celebrate the goodness of God through it all and that it's not the end. It's just a chapter of life. But you know what? I was just like, God, I, I, it's like there was a block because I thought I had a sermon and I just felt God keep saying overcomers, overcomers. And people need this message. And, and I struggled because I said, I don't want to preach the message that I preached yesterday. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, it's not what you think, it's what I'm telling you to do. And at that I said, okay God, and obviously I'm going to give you a bit more because we have a bit more time here than I did yesterday. Uh, but two keys to overcoming, and they're found in Revelation 12 as we read it. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And with God's help, I want us to unpack that a little bit today. Because we have to understand that we're on the side of victory already. That yes, trouble comes in our life. But I believe when trouble comes in your life, it comes to ask you one question. Who are you really? Trouble comes in your life to ask you one question. Who are you? And when the rubber meets the road, you know. And maybe I can't tell. I can't read you like a book. But you know yourself and God knows you. And as you face things, you know, you know if there's a rock beneath your feet or if it feels like you're stepping on quicksand or, or in mud. There was a, a couple of weeks ago when the snow had thawed, and, but the ground was all wet and it had rained. And we were at my in-law's house and there's like farmland behind the house. And so my, my son Josiah loves to like put his rain boots on and he's like, we're going to go in the forest. And I was like, well, daddy's not because I have my church shoes. It was a Sunday after church. I'm like, but if, if you want to go with your, your aunt and she wants to take you. So she was holding Abby 
uh, my, my sister-in-law, and then Josiah was walking with his, they're supposed to be winter boots actually, and he was, but there was so much mud that my sister-in-law and Josiah began to sink. And you know what? It got to the point where they were pretty far away, but they were shouting. They were shouting, and they couldn't even lift their feet anymore. So my father-in-law, I was like, I can't go, sorry. My father-in-law had to put his uh, construction winter boots, whatever they are, and he had to trudge all the way through. And when he pulled Josiah out, guess what? Josiah came up, but the boots stayed in the ground. And so he had to carry him all the way. Then he had to come back, pull out the boots. But it's a picture of when trouble comes in your life, are you standing on the solid rock who is Jesus? Or is it like the mud or the quicksand where you're like, I'm, I'm not doing well, I need help. They actually shouted so loud that the neighbor came out with his cell phone and he was like ready to call for night. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's okay, we're going to take care of it. It's okay. But in life, we have to make sure that we're standing on the rock, Jesus you know, there's the old hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground is sinking sand, All other ground is sinking sand. Hey, I've, I've never led worship to that song much, but I played drums for it a lot growing up. But, but it's true. Either you're on the solid rock, which is Jesus, or on the sinking sand, when trouble comes, you'll know which one you're standing on. And so this message is to give you the keys to make sure that you won't find yourself in the quicksand, but you're standing on the rock. You're coming towards life from a place of victory already. I don't know if you're excited about that yet this morning, but I am. I'm coming at life head on knowing that I'm on the winning side, that he's not called me to be the tail but the head. I can lead through challenging times. I don't need someone to lead me like I'm blind. No, I have the light of Christ. I can see. It is dark sometimes, absolutely. But guess what? He is the light, and he's given me his light as well. So how do we overcome? Two keys. Number one, key number one, the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. We read about it in Hebrews 10, but it's a reference to what Jesus has already accomplished. It's already done. He's already accomplished it on the cross for you and for me. And look what it says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. How or why? Because of the blood of Jesus. So, I can have a confidence. I can approach God's throne with boldness. Not because of who I am. Not because of what I do. I'm a pastor. You're a baker or a lawyer, a business owner, a school teacher. Not because of any of those. I got a lot of money. God's no respecter of persons. And I'm glad he made it that way. By the blood of Jesus, we can boldly enter his throne room of grace. And it's important to understand that it's a finished work of the cross. It's already been done for you and for me. It says, verse 20 of Hebrews 10, By his death, Jesus opened a new 
and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And I just want to talk about that for a second. The basis of our confidence as Christians is the fact that we have access to the most holy place. I'm going to say it again. The basis of our confidence as Christians is because we have access to the most holy place. So I know when I need something, I can go to God. You know, people ask me all the time. They say, hey, I'm Catholic. And you said you're what? I'm like, I'm a Pentecostal Christian. I'm a Christian. And they're like, so what is, what are, like, what's the difference? One of the things that I tell them, to, I try to keep it very simple to make people understand as simply as possible. I said, you know, Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, he gives us access to God the Father. I don't need to pray through a statue, a saint. I don't need to go to the priest because the Bible tells us Jesus is our high priest. And, and because of what he did for us on the cross, we read it this morning, I can boldly, with confidence, go straight into his throne room of grace. And I, could, I can ask things of God. Why? Because he's my heavenly father. And I, could, I can ask him, just like my son asks me, Dad, this happened at school today. And, and I don't, you know, and I, and I sit down and I talk with him. It's no different with God. And sometimes we make him out, to, yes, he's a big God, he's a great God. We are to serve him with holy fear and awe and wonder. But at the same time, he's a God of love. And his heart is a father's heart bending down towards his children, his sons and his daughters. And of course, that's why we say it when we pray, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. God is that kind of a father. And so we can have confidence knowing that we have access. And so that's what the blood of Jesus has done for us. A, the blood of Jesus gives me access. And the curtain in the earthly tabernacle was a means, was the means of access to the most holy place for the high priest. And if you remember reading even at around Easter time when the veil was rent and torn in two from the top down, that we say that, well, that's the symbol that God now is giving us access, right? It's significant that it was torn from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top. Because we know that God was now saying, hey, what before only the high priest could enter the most holy place, now because Jesus' body was broken and opened and split, if you will, for us, just like the curtain was, that's our symbolism saying now because of what Jesus did, we have access to God the Father. And it's important that you understand the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb gives me access. Say access. And that's why we have confidence, because God has given me access. I can go and I can speak with Him, and He can speak with me. The second thing is the blood makes me clean. Look at verse 21. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. There's the confidence part, but listen to this. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. 
and our bodies have been washed with pure water. The blood makes me clean. You see, I've said this before, the blood of Jesus will only cover what you uncover. But there's, it's a step further, and I heard TJ say it, and it challenged me on what I said previously in a message, that not only does the blood of Jesus want to cover your sins, but it actually washes your sins away. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed your transgressions from us. And it's important that you understand that. Sin will always separate us from God, but I'm so grateful that he sent Jesus to die on the cross, that by the shedding of his blood, my sins have been forgiven, and I'm washed clean. And that's why when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. Amen? The old life is gone and done. And the Bible says, Behold, all things are new. So, you might still think. You might still act. And I'm not concerned about behavior. You know, God wants your heart. When He has your heart, everything else will start to align with that purpose and with that vision that God has for it. When He has your heart. But if you don't give God that, your heart, it's going to be very hard to hear the voice of God, and it, it'll, it'll be impossible for you to live for God. He wants your heart. And out of that, the Bible says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. So God wants to touch your heart. That's the area where He works, because everything else is affected by that. And that's why, you know, yeah, sure, He can fix, you know, and give you a good job, but if he doesn't deal with the root, with the heart, it's not, what good is it? You're just going to go on. Some of us, it's relationships. And we were upset at our, our husband, our wife, and we say, I wish I had another, I wish I never married you. I don't know what you say to one another. Maybe it's a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a fiance. And, and you're just thinking like, oh, right? No, the heart matters. Just switching a partner, that doesn't fix the heart. But yield it to God and see what He will do. He washes our sins away white as snow. And that's what the blood does. It washes us. And the reference that we see here in Hebrews 10 at the end of verse 22, where it talks about having been washed with pure water, that could simply just be a reference to water baptism. Um, you know, in the, in the symbolic act of dying to the old self and being raised to new life in Christ. And so the first key is the blood of the Lamb. We have to understand the blood gives me access and the blood makes me clean. Romans 5, 6 says this, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. What a good God we have. Can you say amen? What a loving Father. Knowing sin separates us from Him, He gave us the answer. He fixed the problem when He sent us His Son, Jesus. We were created to live in community and to live in relationship. Yes, with one another, but also with God. Can you say amen? And so this first part of Hebrews is really our relationship with God. Speaking about what the blood does for us, 
the, the second half of the text that we read, it really speaks about, as a result, how do we live now with one another? How, how do I treat you? How should you treat me? How do we live in harmony? And how do we make this life the kind of life that Jesus wants it and intended us to live? Remember, wavering is not good. Swerving is okay. And I want to read what it says in verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. You know, this is a year of promise. I know we kind of moved off of some of those messages on standing on the promise of this and of that promise. But it's still our theme for the year and it's still the word that we're standing on. God will keep His promise. And, and we also have confidence because God always backs up His word. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promises. This is what God does for us. You know, the first part we said is we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. But the second part is the word of our testimony. That we will overcome by the word of our testimony. It's the second key. And by the way, it's not that you can just use key number one and you overcome. I'm here and I submit to you when we understand the scripture that we read in Revelation that you need two keys to open the one door to be overcomers. It's I overcome by the key number one, blood of the lamb, and key number two, the word of my testimony, and it opens the door. I, I submit to you that you need both in your life, that you can't pick and choose that we need both. We need the understanding what the blood has done. And guess what? The first key, it's already been done. It's already been done for you. But the second key is the key that I have to bring to open the door as well. And the second thing, the word of your testimony is your choice. The first one is already done. It was God's choice. He sent His Son. But the second key, that's totally up to you. I can never force you to, to use that key, the word of your testimony. Oh, but I want you to know that when you grasp what it does and how it opens that door to overcoming adversity and obstacles and trials and the hardships of life, that you're on the winning side. When that door opens and you get it and you use the key, there's no stopping you at that point. That's why if you've been here long enough, you've heard me talk about how my mom died when I was 23 in a tragic car accident. They were leaving church. They were on their way to Tim Hortons. What a beautiful picture, right, of a couple after church wanting to just spend time together. And that was the end, right? But I'm speaking today not from a place of defeat, saying, yeah, it just gets harder, guys. Life's, it just gets hard. No, I'm speaking this morning from a place of victory, and I am an overcomer. I am. And here's the thing. We're all overcomers in Christ. You have to get the revelation. I'm sorry, I'm not the cheerleader. I, I could shout as loud as I want, but I don't know if you'll, you'll hear. So I'm just going to speak slow and clear so that you can comprehend. My prayer is the Holy Spirit's going to drill it deep down in here because this is where you need it. And, and God's going to use me to speak, and He is. But I'm an overcomer. You're an overcomer. 
But you see, I, I choose. Do I open my mouth and share what God has done? God didn't kill my mom. I'll say that. God doesn't take away. He's a giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. But through it all, I stand and I testify of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. When life makes no sense, again, if this, then that, Jesus. When you have no, no other thing to say, say the name of Jesus. When you have nothing else to hold on to, we just read it again, and I'll read it for you. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. In other words, if you call yourself a Christian, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Could you imagine? The word says, Scripture says, Jesus, His name is the hope of all the world. So your friends know you're a Christian. Trouble comes in your life and you're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. We feel like that. It's not wrong. But we, we hold fast to the hope that we affirm. You know what? I can't make sense of this. We have to be real, and we can be real with God. Can I let you know that? We have to be real. The Father is seeking those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Sometimes, I know, you might not feel like worshiping Him. Guess what? Do you think I always feel like singing? Do you feel like I always feel like lifting my hands? No, but I've learned that the fruit of my lips, giving thanks to God, reminds me of my victory. It reminds me that my praise is a weapon because what, what's supposed to take you down, and I remember when my mom died, this is what I said to the devil. I didn't say this in a prayer to God, but I said, devil, what you thought's going to wipe me out from ministry is only giving me more passion and it's fanning the flame, the gift of God in my life. I said, so if you thought this was going to snuff me out of ministry, oh, you're wrong. I said, it's making me more passionate to do this for the rest of my life. This bracelet on my wrist, it's not because I'm trying to be flashy and like, you know, check it out. No, this was a gift. When I graduated Bible school, it's the last gift I ever got from my parents, including my mom. And uh, I, on, on the inside of it, it says ZBC, Zion Bible College, 2005. And I'll never forget when that night at the altar at Bible school, I was getting ready to graduate, pray, my mom and my dad praying over my life. Never forget. So I stand today as an overcomer. And if I could do it through Christ, guess what? I'm just like you. I'm not, I'm not more special, but it's just me saying, God, if you want to use me, use me. If you want to use my testimony, use my testimony. I'm an overcomer through Christ, and so are you. And we need to be able to stand and be unashamed of what God has done in our lives Again, I'm only standing because of Christ. And this is my testimony. So, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, but the word of our testimony. We don't let go, but this is what we do. We hold tightly without wavering. My commitment to Christ never wavered 
when my mom died. Again, I'm not special. You might say, yeah, but you did four years of Bible school. So? You did four years at U of T. It's a school, right? School doesn't change you. It, it should give you education and help transform some of the things we do, but it's the work of the Spirit in each of us. And so this is what's important that we understand. I'm not, I'm not special. I know, and I was saying this to someone before the service started, and they just said, Pastor, thank you for being real. I said, I just am tired of fake people. I'm tired of even some pastors where it's like they're holy, and, and there is a holiness to the call of God where we need to be set apart. I, I don't sin like maybe other people. Why? Because I have to live a specific way that I can hear from heaven. But so should you. I, again, I'm not more special. And I'd rather be real. Uh, because I believe people will always follow a leader who's real than one who's always right. And so as we're here, know that I'm just like you. Don't put me on another level. I'm a boy. I, was, I had two parents. You know, I was born. I went to school. I did bad things. I kicked people in the legs in soccer. I tripped them. I would pull their shirts so we can have the advantage. Like, I'm human, guys. We're all in this journey together. And we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's your choice, though. Key number two, that's your choice. So we hold tightly. We don't let go. I need to get off of verse 23. You're with me? Verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. I'm going to say it again. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Again, we have to learn to live with one another. The blood of Jesus gives us access this way. But now in Hebrews, we're reading about how we're supposed to live this way. You know, there's this element of the cross that Jesus died for, that we would have right relationship. But through re the ministry of reconciliation, it's also this way. Right? So it should affect my dealings with my brothers and my sisters as the family of God. So how can we get creative to show and to motivate each other here at Weston with acts of love and good service to one another. It's this side and that side. I get like shocks. How can we? Ask the Holy Spirit. How can I show love to so-and-so? How can, you know, when, um, when we sent out the e-blast uh, regarding the funeral that we had, someone from the church sent me a message and said, I want to bless the family with some food. How can I do that? I said, that's, I love it. I said, let me put you in touch with them directly because I'm a bad middleman. I've learned that. And uh, I said, let me put you in touch with them and you guys can work out all those details. And they did. And the family said, we're so blessed by that person who, who said, hey, here's some food I want to make for you. Um, how can we get creative in the house of God to, to spur one another on, to motivate one another you know, you sow love, guess what? You reap love. You sow kindness, you reap kindness. You sow words of encouragement, you reap words of encouragement. What you sow, you reap as well. And this is part of the relationship of doing church together that we learn to live in this way. 
we will overcome by the word of our testimony. Another way of, of saying that is like this is the fruit from your life. This is the proof of your Christian faith. It's, it's shown by the fruit that is exemplified in your everyday living. So the word of our testimony, yes, there's a time and place where it's going to come by the literal word of your testimony. But I want to also expound a little more and to say some of the greatest messages have never been with a microphone. They've been lived out. Not spoken out, but lived out. And I want to say the word of your testimony, God will use this, but God will also use this. The word of your testimony, the fruit of your life. When people look at you, do they see evidence of Jesus? Do they see the fruit of the Spirit? Do they see you loving one another? And by the way, John 13, 34, and 35, we have it on the screen. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And here's the key, verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It didn't say your love for your spouse necessarily, although that's very important, or, or your family members, but your love for one another, the church family. And this is a sign not just to us as believers, it says to the world. They will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Again, just going back to the note on being real, you know, we've had a ton of new people come to church. And the question is, and I'm not answering for you, I can only answer for myself, because this is my key. But are we loving one another? Because when people come, they can smell fake, and they can really see real. And my prayer is that people will know who we are, not just by what they hear on a podcast or on the message here, or through worship, but by our love one for another. And I'm telling you, this is God's plan for His church. This is His design for His church. Again, we were created for this community, but for this community as well. And people, this is what I, I'm learning. Even what I've seen this week, even with the funeral and other situations that are going on. People want community. People crave to be connected to family and a community. And, and if they don't find it in the church, they'll go find it at the, the 5 to 7 at the bar. And where a bunch of people gather together and have their beers and do life together. Talk about, my wife's like this, my wife's like that. Oh, same thing. Hey, let's hang out. But, but this is supposed to be the real community. And, and again, it's not my idea. This is in the Word of God. They will know us by our love one for the other, that we are his disciples. And I want us as Weston, we need to be a real church. Not saying we're a fake church, but I'm reminding us of what we are called to be. We're called to live in relation. I've been guilty, um, you know, in the sense of we're very busy in life. We're very busy even at church as a family. That sometimes the relationship part just becomes like we're both serving today. You're serving in kids and my wife's leading worship. And it just becomes this thing of we're so busy doing stuff for God instead of with God and with one another. And so 
really this message is a timeless message for us as a church in that we need to understand that if we are going to overcome, it is by the blood of the Lamb, it is by what we say, but it's way more what we do together. Way more what we do for people, for one, for the other. And so that's what John 13 says. And I love what verse 24 says back in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Look at verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Just a note, this book of Hebrews was written to Jewish converts, that they accepted the message of Christ. But some of them, you know, we talked about the swerve. Well, they veered way off back to the law where Jesus, they, they accepted the truth of the gospel, but now they were going back. And where they were gathering as the church, now they were starting to drift off. And so this context is really an encouragement to those believers who were wavering. That's why we find the word there. They were wavering uh, to go back to their old way of living under the law. And they were saying, to be saved, you know, you, you still need to fulfill the law. You need to be circumcised. And all of these things, when we understand, Jesus said, you need to be circumcised in the heart. So again, it comes back to the heart. So they were going back to the old way of living in the Old Testament under the law. And this is what this book of Hebrews is written for, those believers, to encourage them to stay the course. Don't waver. Stay the course and stay faithful. Let us not neglect our meeting together. So some of them, they were meeting, and then they stopped. But you know what I want to say to the church today? Don't, don't stop this. Don't neglect this. You're here today? Good. Make sure you come back next Sunday. You're here next Sunday? Good. Make sure you stay connected. Summer's coming up. You might be traveling. I'm going to be traveling with my family a little bit in July. But guess what? We're going to find a church when we're out of town because we need to stay connected to the family of God. You know, it's a vacation from work, but, but I'm a Christian 24-7, right? We're going to close the service in a moment, but we say the service is over, but church is not because this is what we're called to do. This is the life. I, I, don't, I don't turn off Pastor John and turn on, you know, Monday to Friday, John, I, this is who I am and this is what I'm called to be. Whether it's here or whether I'm at home or at the grocery store, whether it's someone who's lane veering in front of me, right? This is who I am. Uh, I want to read this verse 25, but in the Passion Translation, it says this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Remember the original context of the book of Hebrews. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. I want to close Hebrews 12.12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. I don't want to overlooked that some of you because of what you've been enduring in life you might be tired and you understand the message that you're you're an overcomer you understand that the two keys are the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony
but you might still feel tired. For you, I just, I quote Hebrews 12, 12, take a new grip with tired hands and strengthen your weak knees that you can stand again and continue walking the course that God has set for you. This is what we've been called to do. And I believe that as we wholeheartedly pursue God on this journey together, that we live in harmony together, that we will, we will see God do some incredible things. Maybe what once was a roadblock in your life, with the help of the family of God, knowing you're an overcomer, what God has already accomplished on the cross for us, you will see those mountains move. You will see doors that have been shut begin to open. But again, God did His part. We have to do our part. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.